Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Loeb. Among the faculty members who grappled with ways to keep their students engaged during the COVID-19 pandemic are Dr. Helen Binkley, an associate professor, and Dr. Christy Phillips, a master instructor coordinator in the athletic training program in the Department of Health and Human Performance. Athletic training is hands-on, and finding ways to help students get the experience they needed was a challenge. We'll find out how they dealt with it after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. In advance of the fall 2021 semester, the new president of MTSU's Student Government Association is already hard at work. Winton Cooper, a senior environmental science major and university honors associate, is quick to point out that his fellow elected officials have been meeting in their respective committees during the summer, not content to wait for their first official meeting the second weekend of the semester. Cooper said that he believes the SGA's relationship with the administration, while cordial, is, quote, incredibly underutilized. And he thinks students don't realize how much power they have. And Sergeant William Lukens, a tactical generator mechanic in the Tennessee Army National Guard's 208th Area Support Medical Company in Smyrna, and a junior finance major at MTSU, won the 2021 Army National Guard Best Warrior Competition at Camp Navajo, Arizona. The Murfreesboro resident was one of 13 finalists who represented the best National Guard soldiers and non-commissioned officers in the nation during a grueling four-day event that concluded on July 23rd. In addition to being a college student and president of his Kappa Sigma fraternity, he's employed full-time with the Guard in Smyrna. He's also keeping his plans for the future open, but leaning heavily toward becoming a drill sergeant. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. We'll start with Dr. Phillips, who gives us a sort of timeline to show how their COVID coping skills evolved. So in spring 2020, all of our students obviously were sent home. So um, at that point, Dr. Brinkley and I had to kind of take some liberties with our, um, our requirements because at that point, we knew that a big portion or... Um, certainly points that were built into our syllabus would then have to be discarded because they could not complete those requirements. We fast forwarded to uh, the summer then, and as you know, many of the sites were still very anxious about having students come into those settings. Um, In the summer, typically our students do a physical therapy rotation, which left many of them kind of scrambling, trying to figure out how we were going to offer that class. Um, where they do those hours because there's, there really were no places that felt comfortable admitting our students into that situation. I guess it was uh, maybe mid-July. We had one clinic that was permitting our students. They were accepting our students to come in. And so obviously we had to follow MTSU guidelines with COVID, but then also take into account any kind of guidelines that that clinic wanted our students to um, abide by, which kind of our students are, are kind of in a good position that they are already very familiar with OSHA and some of the precautions that we take on a daily basis anyway, and that all clinics are also taking. So some of those um, safety considerations were already in play prior to COVID and, and kind of were eliminated, so to speak. Um, after the summer, we really, uh, most locations, we sent our students to high schools, again, PT clinics, 
and then MTSU had already implemented all their policies and procedures and trying to figure out how they could still afford our students to come to this, to their site. The students that were assigned on campus with our sports had to be COVID tested, I believe twice a week, because if they were going to be coming into contact with our athletes who were then traveling or going to be on the road, then they also had to be um, tested and follow all the guidelines the athletes and the staff did to make sure that they were not going to be a carrier to the teams that they were interacting with. So, so lots of COVID tests were performed on our students. And, uh, you know, again, they had to abide by all the measures that were in place for campus. Dr. Binkley, can you think of anything else with that, with MTSU in particular that I mean, they were involved in the um, testing, like they helped in getting yeah. all the tests done for our athletes, which was a great, great, but not great um, experience, um, an unusual experience, but they were also kind of put into the mix that they had to do those tests just like an athlete would. I think because we are that health provider model, we're already involved with healthcare, um, it made us be able to uh, come back to function a lot quicker than a lot of the other disciplinary areas on campus. Um, like Christy said, we already had protocols. We already have to prove that we have hand washing stations and we already had to have all of that at our sites and our students have to follow OSHA guidelines. So it was just adding the CDC requirements of wearing masks and the site specific getting tested. Now, MTSU was much more rigorous with testing than our clinical sites and the high school sites were. They may require one test immediately, and then they were just taking temperatures daily when they entered the facility. And as long as they didn't have a temperature and no signs or symptoms, they were allowed to come in and engage with the athletes because they were caring for the health care of the people who were participating. So I think that gave us an advantage as we were already practicing some of the safety uh, protocols before, but also because we are designated more as essential personnel because we are involved in healthcare. Um, as a profession, not just in our program, um, we were involved with testing. So a lot of times, a lot of the athletic trainers who were, well, the sports weren't active anymore, so now we move them from dealing with the athletes to now you're testing everybody that comes in the facility so we could switch roles and we have that ability to adapt in, in emergency situations to function in different roles as athletic trainers. And I think that's an area that people think athletic training is just the, um, the person that runs out on the field when somebody gets hurt. Mm -hmm. We're more than that. We, we really are the total health care of, uh, of the patient population. So we can do blood pressure checks, temperature screenings. We can do um, the tests as our students were learning how to actually administer and, and get the um, tests ready for um, uh, sending to the lab for the COVID testing. So they just hopped in and they were able to pick up those roles in our field. I think it was a service to the university. I know if you ask the staff athletic trainers down there, downstairs in our, I call it downstairs, that's our, that's our association. It's over Murphy Center. <laughs> they will tell you 
that they were thankful that the students were there because they didn't know how they were going to hand out all the athlete testing if they didn't have the students there that were helping them because that would have been all they did every day if they didn't have student assistance. So I think it was a win-win in that situation for the staff as well as the students giving them more, actually sometimes more exposure than they would have had on a regular basis in this emergency situation. We'll take a break here. We'll be back in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. Tennessee's farm families contribute to our state's economy, nutrition, and culture. The Tennessee Century Farms Program at MTSU's Center for Historic Preservation acknowledges farms that have been in the same family at least 100 years. To date, the program has certified more than 1,500 farms. There's no cost to nominate a farm or be part of the program. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The American Democracy Project is a nonprofit initiative which strives for greater voter registration and civic participation among young people at MTSU and at campuses nationwide. Through encouragement from professors and peers, young adults are shown the value of being more active citizens in their community, their state, and their nation. ADP seeks to nurture programs that raise the campus community's level of engagement with society. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. We return now to our conversation with Dr. Helen Binkley and Dr. Christy Phillips from the Department of Health and Human Performance. So these athletic training majors did not miss a beat in terms of what they needed to do as far as their hands-on experiential learning aspect of their education was concerned, right? Yes. After the initial, um, when everything shut down in March, um, in, in the summer, we started planning and bringing them back. So since August 1st of last year, we have been back on hands-on training, face-to-face classes involved all the way through. Can you do physical therapy with gloves on? Would you do that as a matter of course, or was that, you know, COVID protocol specific? We use gloves, but if the patient didn't want us to use gloves, we don't use gloves. And then you do the hand washing, which is like I said, we had those universal standards already in place ahead of time. When you, from patient to patient, you're supposed to wash your hands in between patient contacts. So that's typical healthcare policy but now, now the general public knows it too. <laughs> well, and, and actually, I think that was a little bit of a misperception because my husband's a physical therapist. And when our students were going out into the physical therapy world, gloves are not required to interact. So they still had masks. Yeah. They still had to practice social distancing. They were still doing the hand washing. But gloves were not a requirement unless a patient had, you know, had requested that that be used. Um, mm-hmm. That wasn't something that had to be done. So when you, they sent them out to the physical therapy places and the high schools, you all still had to adhere to MTSU standards, regardless of what the protocol standards were in whatever individual place you had situated the students, right? Yes, but I think that they, they kind of meshed for the most part. Um, there wasn't There wasn't anything that was totally contradictory of one another, yeah. Okay. Tell me what they did at the high schools versus what they did at the the physical therapy places. What what types of activities would they be involved in at the high schools? Right. Um, So 
really our students continue to participate as they would normally. Um, uh, they went last fall, of course, football was still going on, soccer was still going on. So we, they still were engaged in helping tape athletes prior to practices and games. Um, they helped in the rehab of any injuries that had occurred during footballs and football practice or soccer games or whatever it might be. Um, uh, sports typically in the high school really seem to stay on schedule versus, you know, MTSU's fall season with like volleyball and soccer got switched to the spring. Um, high school seemed to stay kind of to their normal routine with their sports. Um, so life was pretty much, I feel pretty similar to what it would have been like um, in a traditional year, just with these additional, um, you know, mask and social distancing practices put in place. But our students, completed everything that they would have normally. Were uh, all of your clients uh, compliant as opposed to having somebody on, I will wear no damn mask or anything <laughs> like that? Um, I, think, I think that the athletic trainers themselves, when I, when I think about that, our preceptors that are the athletic trainers, they were pretty diligent in making sure that when kids entered the room that they followed all of the protocols that, hey, put your mask on. If they came in without a mask on, let's say, they were told that they had to leave and go back to the locker room or whatever and get that. Um, and, and yeah, I think that the athletic trainers just really knew what they were supposed to do and they implemented that. Um, and made sure that the students then also feel, felt comfortable and telling the high school students, hey, you know, it's not fun. Nobody wants to do it, but this is what we're going to do. So. Right. And I think I not not that I want to emphasize this because this is what everybody perceives already. But I think the biggest uh, effect from the day to day practice with our sports was actually hydrating the athletes because usually you would have like a community hydration. And now with COVID, they had to do all individual hydration. So they had names on bottles. So it made that a little bit more complicated than having those community hydration stations, right. <laughs> as I would explain it. Um, but I don't want to focus on that because we already get that image that we're the water boys, the water girls, but right. that is important part of athletics is keeping our athletes hydrated so that they don't develop other severe illnesses. But um, I think that was a big change. It's like the students are like, I had to keep track of 20 bottles and I had to, <laughs> had to make sure that I gave the right bottle to the right athlete. <laughs> so they were writing names and numbers on the bottles and things yeah. like that, which was different than a general year where they would just refill the bottles and, you know, I just had a flashback to the 60s. There's some old NFL film of Norm Van Brocklin going over to a water bucket on the sidelines with a soup ladle and everybody's drinking the water out of the sink. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, we're that not that happen. bad anymore. They do have the squeeze bottles that they're supposed to squeeze into their mouth so that they're not touching anything. But <laughs> yeah. But then this year, this year it was like, oh, we're going to make sure everybody has their own bottle so we don't have cross-contamination. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I think, I think it, it, honestly, I feel like, um, you know, the social distancing might've also kind of been different. I mean, when you think about, when I think about my daughter played basketball too at 
central magnet where our students have been um, sent to before. And I think about, you know, like they had, it was just something new to get used to because obviously when students would go into the game, they didn't have to wear their masks. Then they come back to the bench and now they have to wear their masks. So I don't remember any of our students saying, hey, I had to patrol or police students wearing their mask or student athletes wearing their mask. But I think, you know, it's something that maybe the coaches and students just kind of got used to over time. So I, I don't feel like our athletic training students had to be much of the police, you know, to enforce that. If your coach tells you to do something, you're going to do it or you're both yeah. going to be in trouble. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. right. Uh, you know, in the beginning of this, when we were still learning about COVID and it was all relatively new, there seemed to be a lot of contradictory information coming out of the official channels and a lot of misinformation that was like politically directed. And this was before the vaccines really got up and running and became accessible to uh, various people. Did, was there any uh, confusion about exactly how to handle the protocols uh, as the in the early stages of the pandemic, or did your experience and your uh, you know practical uh, knowledge and information really was that really the foundation of, of everything to carry you through to cut through all the the crap that was being put out there in the public channels. Well, we already had a communicable disease policy in our manual for the students that they were supposed to be following. And we already had it written down if they had the flu-like symptoms, running a fever, things like that, they were supposed to contact us and contact the site that they wouldn't be there for that day until they were fever-free prior to COVID. We already had that established in our policy. Once again, we don't wanna spread illnesses to others and we're a healthcare provider, so we should lead by example. So I think the big change was when they kept fluctuating. Do you keep the person out if they have a fever for 10 days or 14 days or which exposure? That's where the confusion came in. But as for a policy, we were on that. And we did have students that at times were, oh, you were exposed, you had a fever today. Well, we're going to follow the protocol. Even if you don't have one tomorrow, you don't come back for 10 or 14 days. And then we zoomed them in and they were excused. And I think everybody adapted well. And considering the number of contacts our, our students had with people over the year, I think our numbers of actual COVID cases are still really, really low, considering we were directly in contact the whole time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would you agree, Christy? Yeah, I think that that was the most um, frustrating for students is that, you know, if they were quarantined maybe two or three times throughout the semester, it was like, you know, they, they never tested positive, but not knowing exactly how, how long they were going to have to be out and so forth, that was... That was just, uh, it was disappointing for them because they really enjoy the clinical aspect and, and not that they don't enjoy our classes, but they also enjoy the clinical aspect. And, <laughs> and um, you know, it was just frustrating for a lot of them, I feel like. Time for another break. More to come. This is MTSU on the record. Specialized training in forensic science prepares tomorrow's professionals through the Forensic Institute for Research and Education, or FIRE. The Forensic Anthropology Search and Recovery Team assists law enforcement with skeletal remains at crime scenes. Legendary forensic scientists provide lectures free to the public. 
and high school students work realistic crime scenes each summer at our CSI MTSU camp. I'm Dr. Hugh Berryman, Director of Fire. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. The Middle East Center at MTSU seeks to promote greater understanding of the politics, history, and culture of this vitally important region of the world. Its mission includes the promotion of outreach programs and faculty research. The center sponsors lectures by Middle East experts and scholarly exchanges. We're especially pleased to offer a new interdisciplinary minor in Middle East studies with courses in Arabic and Hebrew. This is Dr. Alan Hibbard, Center Director. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Back now to our discussion with Dr. Christy Phillips and Dr. Helen Binkley of the Department of Health and Human Performance. Everybody is suffering from, you know, COVID cabin fever. And if they hadn't been able to get out and actually practice what is going to be their trade, they, they probably would have gone a little bonkers, wouldn't they? Yes. Well, yes. they would have, but they, we would have postponed their graduation and we would have, um, most of the people going to athletic training are hands-on learners. So if they're not hands-on, it's hard to keep their attention. It's hard to keep their focus and they don't learn it as well. So mm-hmm. it would have put them all a little behind if, if we had not continued. But like I said, we are the healthcare providers. So mm-hmm. we're one yeah. of those that becomes more essential mm-hmm. to be around. Yeah. I think, I think some of our students even at the end of this year felt like we, we do an end of the year wrap everything up test. Mm-hmm. And some of the areas that they felt weakest in were times that they they thought back and they were like, oh yeah, I was quarantined during this time. And so I feel like they themselves can reflect and be like, whoo, that really hurt me that I had to be out during that time and I wasn't in class meeting, getting my hands on people. Yeah. Is there any way that you guys can uh, guesstimate or give a ballpark figure about how many students we're talking about that this affected in, in your major in terms of getting to do the outside the classroom, physical therapy and high school uh, work. Uh, I mean, I know we're, you know, like from spring, maybe March of last year to, you know, however many graduated in the fall from the major. Yeah, so um, it's a pretty small major that we have, um, but the students, that would have graduated last spring, there were about nine, eight of those kids, right, Dr. Binkley? And then so. this year, this year we have um, we have nine seniors, we had 11 juniors, and we had um, eight first-year students. So that's what, 30, 28, 38, is that right? Yeah, around around under just under forty students total between last March and this this year, and, and they were all involved with hands-on learning. So once you're accepted into the major from day one, you get assigned to a clinical site every semester that you are in the program. Mm-hmm. So is, is there a variety of careers within the major that you can go into once you graduate as opposed to just, you know, stereotypically thinking of the as the person on the sidelines at the football game? Yes, yeah, um, a variety of different settings. So um, we see athletic trainers in industrial settings, like working at like with Nissan and, and people that are doing needing to um, 
kind of use some preventative mechanisms to continue to do their job effectively. Um, of course, professional sports, collegiate sports, high school sports. Um, we see people in some of the adventure type shows. So like um, Amazing Race and some of those reality type shows you might see athletic trainers help with. Performing arts, military. Um, like Dr. Binkley was saying, you know, athletic trainers have kind of become a um, uh, an assistant to a lot of physicians and so forth, mm -hmm. a physician extender type role. Um, so yeah, those are some different type mm -hmm. of opportunities our students have. I don't want you guys to get pigeonholed of, yeah. you know. Yes. Uh, yeah. And with, at the Nissan, it would be like to help prevent repetitive motion injuries like carpal tunnel, that sort well, of thing? It's, yeah, it's work ergonomics. So they'll come and whatever your job is, they'll evaluate and assess what is required for your job. And then if you have injuries, how we can modify your job performance so you can continue in that job. They will do rehab exercises and things like that to um, help them return to the work they're supposed to do at a faster Case mm -hmm. and it also it's, cuts down on that company's um, insurance and out, mm -hmm. outsourcing because it keeps everything in the company and it keep, decreases the cost for the company from yeah. a medical perspective to have medical personnel working with them at on the site. Mm -hmm. Yeah, on the site. Mm -hmm. But it's more of the preventative um, teaching, like how to lift. How do you how do you lift properly? How do you pick the things up? How can we get you in a good mechanical position so that you don't get injured during the job? So it's a lot more of the uh, mechanics side of um, performance. Because in a lot of job descriptions, it actually says you have to be able to lift 50 pounds. Right. And there's a right way and a wrong way to lift 50 pounds. Correct. Right. The other thing is obviously a lot of our students that I was kind of giving you settings, but some of our students will go on to like PT school or PA school or become nurse practitioners. So that it, sometimes it's used as um, just kind of a, a stepping stone to a different medical area as well. We thank Drs. Phillips and Binkley for enlightening us about the athletic training program and how it has coped with COVID. We'll be right back. The Intercultural and Diversity Affairs Center helps to promote awareness and understanding of the wide variety of cultures represented at MTSU. The center provides information, referrals, and resources. Additionally, IDAC tries to make students from different cultures feel welcome and comfortable on campus so they can have every opportunity to fulfill their academic, social, and personal potential. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Experiential Learning Scholars Program at MTSU gives students a chance to go outside the classroom and obtain hands-on experience in their chosen fields of study. They'll have the opportunity to give something back to the community through service learning as they gain acceptance for graduate study. Students should be able to select EXL-designated courses from major requirements and general studies requirements to complete the 16 to 18 hours of EXL coursework. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Gina Fan has the middle moment. A first-time collaboration with a nationally recognized playwright is giving four MTSU theater students, a new graduate, and two professors a rare hands-on opportunity to produce a new play and get feedback from mid-state audiences. 
Theater professor Laurel Schaus explains what's unique about PlaySpace, a new initiative funded in part by the Tennessee Arts Commission that's allowing audiences to preview Assisted Living by Sharon Rothstein on Saturday and Sunday, August 14 and 15th, free in MTSU's Tucker Theater. So what we wanted to do is is create a workshop production, extends it a little beyond a stage reading. We'll do some rough blocking. You know, we have all these designers that'll be creating a set. The actors will have scripts in hand because there may be new pages that literally come in 30 minutes before they go on stage. The exciting thing is that we'll be able to play with some movement with how design affects the script. And all of that stuff gives the playwright just a whole nother set of information of what's working and what's not working. That's MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.